Welcome to the next episode of the God Conversations podcast with Tanya Harris, a series that will equip you to recognize God's voice. More resources can be found at godconversations.com. Hi, and welcome to the God Conversations podcast, a series designed to equip you to recognize God's voice. Today's podcast comes from a question that was posted on my Facebook page. Really want to encourage if you do have questions related to God conversations, we would love to hear from you. Go on to facebook.com forward slash Tanya M. Harris and leave us a question and perhaps we can answer it via a podcast. But this question comes from Peter. His question is, Was offering fleeces wrong in the Old Testament? Was offering fleeces wrong in the Old Testament? The question relates to the issue of signs. The fleeces are referenced to the story of Gideon told in Judges, which we're going to look at today in a little bit more detail. Is it okay to ask God for a sign? But before I do that, I just want to share some exciting news with you. You may have already heard, but we've launched a brand new ebook called The Easy Way to Hear God's Voice. We released it last month, and I think you're going to find it incredibly helpful. It may surprise you just how easy hearing God's voice can be. So if you haven't already downloaded it, can I just encourage you to sign up to the God Conversations blog, and it's given there as a gift for you. If you've already signed up, awesome. You'll be receiving your gift copy shortly. But if you haven't, our blog gives you access to all sorts of resources, uh, weekly podcasts and blogs and resources that will help you to recognise God's voice. The ebook it comes out in a variety of formats. So whether you're a Kindle fan or you've got a Nook or an Apple iPad or just a desktop computer, you'll be able to download it. And then you can use the old-fashioned method of printing it off and passing it on to someone else. The easy, the easy way to hear God's voice is also available at Amazon.com for around about $5. So if you'd like to support the Ministry of God Conversations, you can also purchase a copy there. And can I ask a favour of our listeners today? If you've already read the book and you've found it helpful, can I encourage you to pass it on? Here at God Conversations, we are absolutely passionate about equipping every Christian to recognise God's voice. And we really need your help to do that as well. So pass it on, print it off, forward by email, refer them to the website, whatever it takes. Can I encourage you just to, to share that with someone who may find it helpful? So, is it okay to ask God for a sign? When I was growing up in church, we used to make fun of Gideon. Everyone knew that this was a man who didn't have enough faith. He kept asking God for signs, or in his case, asking God for a fleece to confirm what God had asked him to do. And I've since revisited that story and And now I see it in a bit of a different way. So I want to look at this question, is it okay to ask God for a sign, by revisiting this story. And if you like, you can find the story in Judges chapter 6 and 7. And I encourage you at the end of the podcast to just take some time to have a look at it once more because it's a fascinating story. Let me give you a quick recap of what happens. It's that time in history 
when the nation of Israel didn't have formal leadership. And we see this pattern unfolding in the entire book of Judges, where the Israelites um, would follow God and worship God and they'd, be, they'd prosper. And then they'd reach a time when they'd turn away and start worshipping other gods and they'd fall into idolatry. They would do evil in the sight of the Lord. And at that point, they would cry out to God. And God would raise up a deliverer, someone um, who was available and willing, who would then rise up and lead the nation back to worship and back to prosperity. And we see this cycle happening again and again throughout the book of Judges. And it's in one of those cycles that we find the story of Gideon. This time, it's the Midianites who are oppressing Israel. They've invaded the land. They've killed off the crops and the livestock In fact, the Bible describes it in Judges chapter 6, verse 6, as the Israelites were so impoverished at this point. So again, they cry out to the Lord for help. Well, help comes in the form of an angel who speaks. And again, it's such a common pattern that we see in Scripture. When God wants to do something, the first thing he does is he speaks. He speaks to someone. In this case, he speaks to Gideon. We find Gideon threshing in a wine press and He describes himself like this. He says he's the weakest from the weakest clan in his tribe and he's the least in his family. So he certainly doesn't have a gold star over his head saying, you know, pick me. He's certainly not the likely candidate, the one that you would expect who would rise up and be the next leader of Israel. The story picks up in verse 14 of Judges chapter 6. The Lord says, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Love Gideon's response. Pardon me, Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answers, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Reading it again, I'm I'm struck by the extraordinary nature of God's command to Gideon. Go and fight a battle that everything tells you you're going to lose. The odds are not in your favour. The truth is that you're a miserable weakling. You have no self-confidence. You've got no mental strength, no fighting prowess. You are scared stiff. You have a potentially weak army and you're facing an undefeated foe and in the midst of that God says you're going to lead Israel out of this situation what does Gideon do it shouldn't surprise us about Gideon's response he he makes the kind of response that I think any of us would in this situation because at this stage the enemy has now grown exponentially the Amalekites have joined in. It's getting worse. So what does Gideon do? He asks God for a sign. Verse 17, if now I have found favour in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. You know, I think sometimes, again, we read those stories in the Bible and we think, yeah, those characters in the Bible, they knew when it was God. Did they? I think they struggle with some of the questions that we have when we hear God's voice speaking. Because when God speaks, it's not always naturally logical. It's not always easy. Sometimes he says things that will take a miracle to achieve. Sometimes he says things that are really difficult where we don't feel adequate enough. And we find ourselves like Gideon, sitting on the, that wine press going, but, but how can this be? 
I can't do that. Is that really you, God? So what does he do? He asks God for a sign. He says, God, show me that it's really you, some sort of spiritual miraculous thing that I will know that I'll have the courage enough to follow this command of yours. The sign that Gideon asks for is that a woolen fleece will stay dry the next morning when the dew covers the ground. Well, what happens? God does it for Gideon and he gets the sign that he asks for. Then Gideon gets cold feet again. <laughs> He's not quite sure as he thinks about it again. It's, was that really you, God? So he, so he says, oh, oh God, don't be angry with me, but uh, you know, I, need, I need another sign. Can you give me another sign? This time, can you make the ground dry and make the fleece wet? So God does that for Gideon again. So now at this point, Gideon knows that it's God. Gideon starts to assemble the army. He gets about 32,000 troops together and he goes ready to fight. Then the story gets even more crazy. God has his ways. You know, it was hard before, but what is he going to do now? He's going to make it harder. He says to Gideon, your army's too big. You have too many men. Chapter 7, verse 2. I can't deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me that my own strength has saved me. We can't have Israel boasting. We need to know that this is actually God's hand. So what does he do? He reduces the size of the army from 32,000 to 10,000. Still too easy for God. So he takes it down another notch. Let's just do it with 300. 300 men to defeat the army. The next scene that we see is these men camped on a hill looking down at hundreds and thousands of Midianite troops. The Bible describes that they were as thick as locusts. The camels were so great in number as the sand. I can't imagine how Gideon felt that night as he looked across at the army that he was facing. And he tries to remember what God had said to him. He tries to remember that it really was God speaking and that God's going to do a miracle. But how would you feel? How would you feel if God asked you to do something that was so difficult, that was so impossible, that required the supernatural intervention of God, or you were leading yourself and 300 other men to their deaths? You know, looking back, I'm not sure that Gideon was a man of weak faith. I think he was just dealing with the ordinary fears that we all face when God asks us to do something that's impossible or to believe for something that we can't see. And I want you to remember at this point what God's heart is like. He knows that we're human. <laughs> he knows that we are as dust. He knows that we see a world that's natural and that sometimes it's difficult to believe his word. His heart is for us to know his voice, to understand his ways. Jesus said, John chapter 14, verse 27, that my sheep will know my voice. I know them and they follow me. God wants us to know his voice and to be able to have the courage and the confidence and the faith for us to follow it. He wants us to follow in his ways. He wants us to know him. So he's going to help us. That's his heart. 
what happens. Listen to the heart of God. Chapter 7, verse 10. The Lord speaks to Gideon and he says this. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Pura, and listen to what they're saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged. <laughs> Interesting. What does Gideon and his servant do? They go down to the camp. They overhear some of the enemy speaking. Gideon arrives just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responds, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. <laughs> I want you to note something here. It was God who took the initiative to give the sign. Gideon, at this point, didn't even ask for it. Why? Because Gideon was afraid. And God wanted to encourage him. This is the heart of God. He wants us to be able to do what we're called to do. To be encouraged by his voice and his presence. To overcome fear. Battle those things that come against us. This is the heart of God. And in this case, he chose to express it through a sign. You know, it took a miracle to see the Israelites defeat the Midianites that day. <laughs> when God speaks, it will always take a miracle. It will always require his intervention. That's his way because he wants us to see his hand. And God wants us to encourage us to have faith to believe for those miracles. You know, there's nothing wrong with signs. When we're in a place of encouragement, it's perfectly okay to confess those fears to God and to ask his help in confirming him. Is it really from God? This kind of risks, the risk that we take, is it really from him? Can I trust his word? My own experience, but also the testimony of others in the Bible shows us that God does use signs to confirm his word. It's important that we understand that God wants to confirm his word and that the process of hearing from him involves testing what he says, not just through signs, but through the Bible and through his community. It's so important that we test things. It's so important that we know whether something is from God before we take those steps that can sometimes lead us into risk and into dangerous situations. If you haven't yet had a chance to listen to some of the teaching on this area, I really encourage you to do so. Some of the resources that God Conversations provides certainly talks about this whole area, about how to test a word from God. How do I know it's from him. I really encourage you to get a hold of those. It's important as we understand this whole question of, is it okay to ask God for a sign? Now, having said all that, <laughs> the truth is that there is some risk and some dangers in, in looking for signs. And I want to just chat with you briefly about those before we wrap up. The Apostle Paul said that in 1 Corinthians 13, chapter 12, that we see things imperfectly that the, thing, the words that we hear are fuzzy, like poor reflections in a mirror. The truth is that our hearts are sometimes selfish 
and our motivations can be misplaced. And therefore, our perceptions of what we see can often be misleading. In fact, psychologists and neurologists teach us about the power of the brain, the power of the mind of, of expectations and a visualisation that we experience. Let me give you an example. I bought a black Holden Astra SXI in 2003. It was brand new and it was fantastic to have a brand new car. But you know what? Suddenly, when I was out in the road, I noticed that there was a lot of Holden Astra's SXIs on the road. I saw them everywhere. Before I bought one, I didn't even know they existed. I'd never seen them. Oh, sure, they might have been there, but I never noticed them. The difference is that I'd suddenly become aware of them. They were suddenly on my mind. It was like I, I tuned into them. The asterisks hadn't suddenly increased on the roads. They were always there. I was just more aware of them. This is how the mind works. And this is why it can be a bit dangerous to rely on signs. The truth is we can be easily deceived. We, we start to see things that we want to see. We manipulate our perceptions to suit what we want, what we're praying for. And so wishful thinking then becomes a way of interpreting what we see around us. You know, the, the old prayer, Lord, if this is from you, let the traffic lights go green in the next 10 seconds. <laughs> We start to manipulate our environment to, to make it say what we want it to say. So we need to have wisdom in this area. We need to understand that our brains can manipulate, our wishes can colour and, and affect what we see around us. The truth is that when we set the sign up for ourselves, we mentally tune in to perceive it, even when it isn't there. So if we're like Gideon right now and we're, we're unsure if it really is God talking to us, what we need to do is this. We need to take our doubts, we need to take our fears to God in the same way that Gideon did. We need to say to him, God, is this really you? I need you to show me if this is really you. I need you to make it clear such that I can have the confidence to follow it. And then we need to wait for him to speak, to dictate the sign, the way he gives it. We need to let God confirm it. You may be surprised at how he does it, whether it's an obscure dream of a, of a, roll, of a bread roll or some other mechanism that he uses, something outside of ourselves that we can't manipulate. And I encourage you to wait on God to show you such that you have the confidence to knowing that it's him, knowing who he is and what he's like. Many years ago, when God first spoke to me about my ministry, he used an unusual vision. It was kind of a symbolic impression that I had. It involved an olive leaf. I remember at 26 years old, being excited that God had spoken to me. He had said that you're going to be in ministry one day. And at the time, I had absolutely no idea what that meant. It didn't even fit my understanding of what my life would look like. And I, but I just knew that God had spoken to me. And I remember thinking about what he'd said and, and, and months and weeks passed. And it got to the point where I, I'm like, you know what, God, that, that spiritual experience I had has faded in my mind. It, I'm not sure if that's you. I don't know if that was just me making it up, if I have some idea that I had or 
some misplaced desire. And I began to pray. I said, God, I really want to know if this is you, if this really is your, your purpose for my life. Can you, can you please show me that it's you? Please confirm it in some way. Well, sometime later, I was sitting on my bed and the, the, these words formed in my mind. Look in the letterbox tomorrow. Look in the letterbox tomorrow. thought it was pretty odd. Next day, I went to empty the letterbox. There was a few bills and things, and there was also a card from an old friend who was living in Asia at the time and hadn't had any contact with him, so it was a very unusual that I would receive that. But I remember opening up the envelope, and I felt the presence of God coming over me. I thought, oh, how strange. I opened up the card. Inside the card was an olive leaf. It was plucked, it said, from the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. On the right-hand side was, was a note. Dear Tanya, our God is a great God who answers the smallest prayers with precision. Let this be a blessing for you. I remember sitting there trying to work out how God had possibly managed to motivate some random person to send me an olive leaf that somehow he'd got from Jerusalem to Asia, then in the post to me in the right time when I needed it, <laughs> with the right words, with the, right, with the heart of God being expressed so clearly. You know, God's heart is that we will know him. God's heart is that we will hear his word and follow it. We need to take our doubts. We need to take our fears to him. It's okay to say like Gideon, is this really you, Lord? And then let him show you what he has for you. Thanks for listening today. We'd love to hear your stories. Have you ever asked God for a sign? How did you know that it was his voice speaking and not some coincidental circumstance? Love to hear from you. Leave your comments and posts at the Facebook page or at godconversations.com and looking forward to speaking to you next time. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast by Tanya Harris. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic. So post your comments on the blog page of godconversations.com or at facebook.com forward slash Tanya M. Harris. Help us to equip others to recognize God's voice by rating the series on iTunes. Remember, Jesus said we would know his voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation.